You are listening to the JCN Clinic Podcast. The JCN Clinic Podcast is a place where nutritionalists Jessica Cox and Carissa Mason get real about nutrition and living a healthy life. They share with you their passion and their clinical knowledge for a fun, no BS approach to looking after yourself. Please enjoy today's episode and don't forget to subscribe and iTunes. Hello and welcome to another episode of the JCN Clinic podcast show. I'm Jessica. I'm Carissa. And we are coming to you from independent places, but that's pretty normal these days for us, even though a lot has changed in the world out there. I'm sitting on my floor in Badger Creek down in Victoria and um, Chris is at... sitting on her floor in her bedroom in Manly <laughs> with her dog, <laughs> as usual. <laughs> Which is, um, yeah, it's, it's a normal situation for us. And we we're just talking about how with everything going on, you know, everyone's lives have been changed a lot. But um, as far as I think our day to days have gone, particularly for me, there hasn't been a huge shift. Um, but we wanted to use today to kind of explore a lot of what we talked about in our bonus episode a little further. So we wanted to talk a bit more about the immune space or immune boosting supporting space with food specifically, because I feel like there's been a lot of um, information and podcasts that I know I've been even listening to about um, different treatment protocols and potential nutrients and herbs. <laughs> you okay. My think, dog just farted. Chris is actually making dry reaching. <laughs> oh dear, like it was all going so well. Day we'll hear, and she's just like, poof. Oh gross! <laughs> there is nothing worse. Disgusting animal. <laughs> oh, sometimes she farts and she scares herself. Like she gets up and doesn't know what she's done, and then her little ears go back, and she like walks away in shame. <laughs> I love it when dogs do that. <laughs> it's like, yes, that came out of you, you feral little wench. <laughs> I don't think they have very good microbiomes. <laughs> nah, still, you look at what they eat, far out. Oh, my God. Sorry, oh, anyway, it's totally... <laughs> so, yeah, we there's a lot of info about different nutrients and herbs and potential ways of using them at the moment. But, you know, we did tap into that a little bit, but we want to talk more about the food side of things in a practical way for you guys. And also because a lot of people that we work with, and I don't know, listen to the podcast uh, coming from a gut health point of view, not everyone can eat everything or might have limitations. So we wanted to share some um, ideas about how you might modify some of the really popular recipes that are going around um, and really explore that for you and hopefully create a little bit more um, ease in the kitchen. Yeah. So, um, I guess before we get started too, just to give you some context of what's going on with the clinic as well, um, and we'll probably dive in and out of this as we go and how, how even things are affecting us and what we're doing, but um, essentially the JCN clinic is still running, but we are 100% online now. So, last week we did have the reception open but it was pretty dead in there. Hey, like I think we had maybe people coming in to pick up supplements and that was it. I don't even know. I think 
there was a few days where Alexa was just seeing no one and so feeling like it's an episode of The Walking Dead. <laughs> And I think if it, I think too, I think there's like a couple of clients that like did come into the clinic, um, but yeah, like few and far between. I think everyone's yeah. just opting for postage supplements or yeah. um, Skype, phone, or Zoom consults. So, yeah. so we I did, know all my clients did. Yeah, that's it. So we had we we offered for a week that option where things were a little bit transient, but this week we've gone 100 online. Uh, the clinic is still functioning a hundred percent though so we have a mobile reception thanks to Alexa <laughs> and Michelle and we've really never I think we've navigated that really well we, we talked about this weeks in advance so we we're pretty prepared for it so uh, for any clients listening um, you can still do everything that you would have done in the past as far as consultations like we're just online with our Skypes and our Zooms and our phones um, but even down to like supplements and mm. just bookings and general inquiries, like it's, it's all still available. It's just, um, more of a postage situation. We don't have a physical space to pick things up. Um, unless Alexa <laughs> started opening up shop <laughs> at her house, which I don't think is a good idea. <laughs> or, cy or cycling to deliver supplements. I know she's been cycling, like she's obviously not getting public transport into the city, which is a great idea, but she just cycles in along the river. So she's just fresh, clean air all the way to the clinic office and then fresh, clean air all the way home. And I'm just like, maybe we could start a little postage service up on your push bike. <laughs> exactly. Brisbane residents <laughs> should be listening to this bit going um this was not disgusting <laughs> exactly this was not in my contract I did not agree to this <laughs> oh, just drop and run at the door I'd do it for people if they left you know how like you leave like carrots and shit out for Santa Claus yeah like if people left bottles of wine out for me I'll deliver your supplements on my bike <laughs> Leave me wine or beer and I'll drop off supplements. <laughs> I think too with the supplements as well, like there hasn't been any major knock-ons there. Some of our companies have been a little slower in delivery. There's been a few hold-ups, but everything's still open. Like as far as the healthcare industry goes, where there's there's no major hold-ups there. It's just certain immune supplements have been high demand. So there's been a bit of a, a lag on some of those coming back into stock. Yeah, um, but I think yeah that from our point of view for our clients or any new clients, um, yeah, we're still here, we're still functioning. There's actually no major changes for us. Yeah, there's actually not. I think the interesting thing is, and this is what you and I were saying beforehand, is because you and I are so online already, and we both work from home so much already. For us, this isn't a huge transition. No, um, to be fully online, but I feel like for a lot of people out there, going from working, going to an office every day, and all of that, to going to solely working from home, it is your eye just twitched, Jess. Did it? <laughs> not surprised. <laughs> yeah, I'm not surprised at all. Um, <laughs> uh, it always cracks me up when it does that because it's just like. <laughs> Anyway, yeah, like I was just saying, like, yeah, for so many people, like, this whole going to <clears throat> home and working online or just, you know, potentially not even having jobs and being at home all the time and stuff, it's a massive, massive change. But, and I think, yeah, there's still, I think there's still a lot of places and companies that um, haven't had, like, we've, yeah, haven't had, not had, had huge changes, but uh, have just gone online. Like, a lot of PTs have gone yeah. online now and you can, you know, access their classes and stuff, you know, just through an online online presence. And then, obviously, we're just mm. fully online, which we were 50% online anyway, but now mm. we're just completely online for the time being until we can get back into the office and set up shop again. But Yeah, that's it. We're, it's not 
a new space for us and we know like we're confident in that we can offer just as good as amazing service whether we're online or if someone's physically coming to the clinic like there's no differentiation between that for us Um, I actually had someone ask me about that the other day and I was just like yeah no there's no difference at all like it's just the same Um, the only the only difference is is that if you have a Skype session with me you may get to meet my puppy yeah that's it (laughs) she sits at my feet and farts and once in a while she does pop her little head up in front of the screen (laughs) (laughs) but I think we also um and we were talking about this too we understand that a lot of people are more unstable at the moment financially and not sure what is going on and even though they're at home a lot more their time is a little bit harder to manage particularly with family so we're really thinking about other ways of bringing things to you guys so besides our one-on-one consultations we're looking at how we can offer you um, shorter sessions uh, interactive sessions around what's going on and maybe other popular topics which we've talked about on our socials and we will more but that's something we'll really be diving into because I think we want to ensure that we can offer you really good content and really good valuable tools um, as we move through all of this together because yeah not everyone at this point is able to look at the one-on-one consultation space and we really understand that so um, just as a side note that's something that we are working on and if you guys ever have any feedback or ideas about what you'd love to see more from DCN Mm. then just always let us know. Yeah that's what I was going to say if you guys feel like there's anything that you would like us to be doing more of like in terms of like yeah, anything basically that doesn't involve one-on-one consultations. Yeah, just DM us or yeah, send us emails. Um, we're also contactable in so many ways, shapes, and forms. So just um, obviously Jess and I and the rest of the girls have been the last couple of weeks brainstorming our little heads off in terms of other spaces we can get into and help you with. But yeah, if there's anything that you know specifically, like you and your you know your friend circle are talking about, your mum circle is talking about, or your work circle is talking about, that you're just like, no, you guys could really help us here bloody let us know because yeah. we we can we can work it <laughs> so let's dive into the topic a little bit more now so last time when we did our bonus episode we talked about some really standout foods and um, we mentioned a couple of different recipes in particular but I thought the first one that we would dive into a little bit more of and I know you've been seeing some of your stuff you've been making at home and harassing Trent with is the (laughs) space of broths so there's we talked a lot about um, making your own bone broths through to some of the brands that you can buy some really good goos I like to think of them I know there's the different powders out there too but um, really if you are able to make your own from scratch, I think that's always a really you know invaluable asset to have. And it's such a, you know, we have, we have recipes that we can leave links for in the show notes, but it's such an amazing way to create um, a dish or a base of a dish that you can be using to boost that gut immunity. And we always talk about the importance of your immune system in respect to the gut and how much of your immune system is within your gut itself and those broths which are really rich in those um, different types of amino acids that support that mucosal lining 
not only that, but also all of the nutrients that they have are just an absolute godsend when it comes to supporting gut immunity. And for me, and I know for all of us at JCN, there's such a delicious way of bringing gut building um, food daily into your diet. And they're really easy. So I think also with people being at home more now, we can be using a lot of the, whether it's stuff that you're doing right now, like whether it's you're cooking different meats and whether it's roast chickens or different sorts of cookups where there's those carcasses that you can be freezing and using, or a lot of you, I wouldn't be surprised, have got maybe some frozen bones and carcasses and bits of chicken feet or whatever it might be that you've bought in the past thinking, yeah, yeah, I'm going to make a broth and just haven't. Like now is a time that you can be pulling out the slow cooker or the pressure cooker. For me, I love using just a slow cooker. I feel like most people have got one or even just a big pot and putting it on the stove and throwing those all in there with some water, a little bit of apple cider vinegar, maybe some bay leaves, maybe some other veggies, but even if it's literally just the, the bones and the water and a really long cook, you're going yeah. to be able to start looking at making these stocks and broths. Absolutely. Um, and I think, yeah, the other thing, I think with broths too, like or bone broths, like the name of them has become so catchy and like cool in the sort of health space. But essentially what we're making is a stock. Like Essentially it's just a stock. It's so true. It's just a slow cook stock. And when you think about stock, it is the foundation of so many recipes and we're heading into the cooler weather. It's, it's something like if you have in your fridge and you cook up a lot of it and you can portion it out and freeze it, like it'll last. How long do you keep it? If you make one up, would you keep yours in your fridge for, I don't know, like a week or five to seven days? Or do you tend to push, knowing Chris just probably pushes it for like three weeks and then thinks about freezing it. <laughs> Maybe you're not I the right person to ask. I, no, I'm not the right person to ask because I feel like my, my, um, <laughs> A, my gut tolerance for stuff is pretty damn high. B, after working in hospitality for so many years and seeing the longevity you actually can get out of things versus what is technically allowed, yep. I feel like I've got a pretty like far-reaching threshold. <clears throat> I would say a broth for me, especially if it's got a big fat layer sitting yes. over the top in my fridge, oh, I'll push it beyond a week easy because yeah. I always feel I'm going to cook it as well. Do you know what I mean? So yep. it's going to get reheated. Yep. And I know usually anything above 60 degrees, you'll kill most bacterial stuff. It's going to give you some sort of gut upset anyway. <laughs> so I'm like, man, it'll be right. Um, I know most people say three to four days. I definitely go beyond oh, that. Oh, yeah. I'd be pushing at least a yeah, sort of five to seven day space. You know what? And this plays into what we'll Maybe. be talking about too as far as different guts and gut health. Like if you've got yeah. – a more sensitive gut that gets upset, then of course think about maybe you're not going to be using the stock Don't base that's been in your fridge for over a week. Whereas if you're Carissa, you'd be like, yeah, I'm going to have that. So Carissa and I <laughs> with, even, we joke about beer. that. I'm always getting the food poisoning and picking things up. And then she's Remember always I was telling you about your pate oh that I pushed. Yes. I was like, if you hadn't done this, you would have been dead. <laughs> so here's a here's just a little story for everyone, just so you can just see what I the testing I do with my gut. <clears throat> 
Um, so I made some of Jess's pate, obviously kept it for probably three or four days in the fridge and made my brother some, gave it to him. I froze it because he didn't come and pick it up. Then I gave it to him frozen. He let it sit out on his bench for the night. So it sat out on his fridge overnight, thawed out, and then he put it into his fridge the next day. Then obviously he was selling his house, moving moving in with me. So then it got transported via just esky with no ice and just other cold things from the fridge back to my place, which then sat in an esky. And then Trent was like, did you unpack my esky? And I was like, shit, mate, no, sorry. Went and put it all into a fridge. And then two days later, I thought, shit, that's that. <laughs> That's my, my pate that I put so much effort into making. By this stage, like, I think it had easily then been defrosted and out for, like, another, yeah, I think it had easily been three or four days. So I was like, oh, is this kind of pushing on the edge? So I looked at it on the Monday night. No, the Sunday night. I was like, that's got to get eaten tomorrow. Had some on the Monday afternoon. Didn't die. Ate the rest on the Tuesday. <laughs> <laughs> and lived to tell the tale with no gut upset. So, yeah, you know. That's pretty next level. <laughs> <laughs> either I've got some serious like arsenal happening in my gut or it was actually just fine exactly. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah these these broths they can be kept in in your fridge for at least at, at least yeah five seven days maybe longer as Chris is saying but then you can freeze them um freeze them. and then you can just bring them out um say you know you want to use it the night you can bring it out the night before and let it defrost or just grab it out in the morning to use later on um, but so some of the ways that we would use these broths, uh, a lot of people think about just making them and drinking them. And I think that's sort of become a bit of a, again, probably a trend. And you sometimes even see it in cafes on menus to have the broth as a drink. And that's fine. Like it's a night with lovely alternative, particularly if you've got a lovely tasting broth. But again, let's go back to them being a stock, essentially. We're going to be yeah. using them to make these really beautiful slow cooked meat dishes or even legume dishes curries stews like yeah all the things it's that sort of space that we're going into again with the weather where we can be doing you know one night a, it might be a slow cooked um lamb shank dish and then the next night you might be doing like a a dal or something like that where you're using that stock as your liquid base. The other thing would be your grains. Even risottos. Like yeah, risottos exactly. with a proper made stock base as opposed to a store-bought one is yeah. just like, it's just like, yeah, like you've got this beautiful, nice, you know, usually, you know, well, I'm not going to say veggie because obviously stocks are usually more like, you know, chicken or beef, but a yeah. meal that doesn't essentially contain a huge amount of meat if you try not to eat a lot of it. Yeah. Or have a more plant-based dish, but you've just got this really beautiful gut-loving stock base that brings all the flavour out in that food. Exactly. Yeah, that's what I mean too with the grains. You're exactly right. Like we can be cooking up our grains, um, whether it's a classic risotto or even if you're cooking up a grain to put through a salad. Like quinoa. Quinoa exactly. done in chicken stock or beef stock. Yum. Yeah, that's it. So we can cook them up in these stocks um, and be finding a way to have them in our diet every day. The other thing I would say, um, I don't think I've mentioned it last time, was um, polenta, which I think something a lot of people don't use a lot of. But mm. polenta is delicious cooked up in a broth or a stock base. So just literally just whisking that as your liquid into the polenta and fluffing that all up and adding a bit of nutritional yeast to make it a bit cheesy and mm. salt, pepper, olive oil. Like it's so simple and it's really quick. And then you can use that as a base for whether um, it's like a slow cooked 
meat dish, which is classic with that, or other types of toppings. So there's just there's so many ways that I think that it can be used on a daily basis outside that space of just drinking it because I think that I, I know with our clients it turns them off. Like people are like, I don't want to, Chris is putting her hand up. I don't want to drink my broth. It's like you don't have to drink it. You, you don't have to drink it in it, your yeah. diet. It's like you don't even have to like even – like what Jess, what Jess was just saying, like just with even like the dials and the curries and stuff, like I throw broths and stuff. Like I think if anyone watched my IGTV video thing where I did my lamb shanks the other day, like I just chuck some broth concentrate into that just for the flavor that comes through with it as opposed yeah. to using a stock cube or, a yeah. you know, like a, you know, something that's got a few more additives and stuff like that in it. Or um, when Trent and I did those beef ribs the other night, like we just used a little bit of a beef stock, like a beef, oh, a beef stock base that I just had sort of yeah. frozen. Do you know what I mean? I think yeah. he added a little bit of liquid stock as well, actually. I was, I was too busy getting mm. sworn at to pay attention to everything that was going into it. But <laughs> <laughs> but yeah so on the subject of broth too like so obviously I've got a lot of um more like veggie pesco clients yes. um that are also so let's say I've got a pescatarian client like obviously like a lot of um a lot of vegetarians and vegans aren't uh, you guys are gonna unfortunately you can do your nice um you know plant-based like you know medicinal mushroom-based broths and stocks mm-hmm. um and then hopefully like if you're vegan and you're trying to do the broth-based thing you, you know you're going to just be getting a lot of nutrients out of like your mushrooms and you know your garlics and stuff like that so essentially it's a little bit different to a bone-based broth mm-hmm. but essentially still like you can you know embrace that broth element but I feel like there's this really nice space that a lot of people don't use that I use with a lot of my clients that don't really um, aren't eating you know um poultry or meat and that's Asian fish broths. Yeah. Um, I've got a lot of my clients cooking those. A little bit like it, you do have to get your head around the fact you do need to go and get a nice freaking oily fish, like yeah. a whole fish, like a salmon, and get your fishmonger. Like, you know, there's lots of really nice seafood markets around the place. Get them to, you know, if you are a bit grossed out, just gut it and de-head it. They will do that for you nine times out of ten. Um, if you're not too fussy about it, you can just do it yourself. Um, mm-hmm. You can leave the head on. Most people will opt to take it off. Personally, when I've done fish broths, I just make sure it's gutted and throw it in with the head on. Yeah. <clears throat> but you can really utilize it's a whole different ballpark of flavors. So you go into things like sesame oil, tamari, heaps of ginger, heaps of chili. Obviously garlic and onion are awesome, but I feel like this is where fish boss are really great because they can kind of bypass the FODMAP mm. space. Mm. So if you are a FODMAPer and you're just like, look, I want to make a chicken broth or I want to make a beef broth, but I feel like I'm missing those really nice stock flavors like the garlics and the onions, step into the fish broth space. Yeah. Like you can do so much you chuck in like um you know all those beautiful asian so it almost becomes a soup essentially but i you know throw a whole bloody salmon in there bones and everything head off if you want to um heaps of ginger heaps of chili garlic if you can put it in there but sesame oil tamari you know asian veggies um you you know you're more you know inoki mushrooms and stuff like that Mm -hmm. and you can make some real and you just the fat and stuff that comes out of the salmon i know it's completely different amino acid profile than what we're looking at with the bone broth but from an immune boosting point of view you've got all this really nice anti-inflammatory stuff Mm. happening in there and the flavor profile is completely different so no it's really it's really important one to mention and i think a lot of people again are um, a bit weird about fish broths i know as you said a lot of our clients who are more um yeah probably that that classic what did you say veget why i always say vegetarian i say pesco pesco i say vegetarian space so they can be a, a little bit funny about the fish broth or even some of our, my clients that do 
eat meat, but you're trying to kind of give them different ideas of what to do with the broth space. Like fish broths can freak people out, but they can be really amazing. And, mm. you know, you're still, if you're using those carcasses um, of the fish, you're still getting those bones in there, which is what we're trying to do. Uh, and again, you can, as you said really well, you can be kind of pushing them into the flavor profiles that support that sort of flavor. So mm. a lot of the time that fishy sort of flavor doesn't go with those classic broth, um, kind of more sort of tomato onion yeah. sort of flavors what we might think about, but it does really play well into that Asian flavor space. Oh, so well. Just perfectly. And I think the thing is too, a lot of it becomes a bit like a soup with the Asian style ones as well. Yeah. Cause I use like the whole fish, so all the flesh breaks away. I think the thing that really cool about fish broths if you cook them for long enough is the bones break down a lot more easily yeah. than they do with chicken carcasses and and beef carcasses like yeah. you know it'll be carcasses yeah we've got a whole beef carcass in slow cooker. <laughs> <laughs> bloody big slow cooker um, <laughs> um beef bones but um but yeah like the, obviously and there's so many nutrients in bones like you know if they are slow cooked and broken down like obviously you get a lot of them out of the chicken and the beef but I feel like even sometimes with the fish I would wonder if you do get maybe even a bit more out of them because the yeah. bones actually break down and become part of your food so yeah. anyway yeah for sure for sure bloody hell there's some good flavors you can do in there and the other thing too um you mentioned about even the vegetarian or vegan space. Yeah, there's the the more mushroomy based broths that you can be making up, so that you, they're not going to be the same in that you're not getting those bones and carcasses in there, but you can still create some really medicinal stocks with your dried um, mushrooms. So you can get even just your classic dried shiitake mushrooms you'll often pick yeah. up in supermarkets, but as many mushrooms as you can get. Also seaweeds, if you can get your hands yeah. on those, which are in a lot of health food stores are really classic in those types of broths and very nutrient dense. Um, I'd even recommend checking out um, Amy Chaplin's online content, or if you've got one of her books, she's got some amazing broth recipes in that space for like really great vegan broths. So mm. there's a way, there's a way you can do it for any sort of dietary requirements as far as um i guess choices and flavors but also i think what we want to talk about which you um, definitely mentioned there is how you can then modify these types of dishes for different dietary requirements or treatment protocols so the classic yeah. thing with these broths as you said is usually that um the fodmap space so the garlics and the onions are usually the big players there in these broths and what we tend to usually do is uh, either just classically remove them or use alternate flavors. Now I would again say that if you do a really good slow cook broth with literally just the, the bones and the water and it's a really long cook, then usually you can get some pretty bold flavors just with that. However, um, some of the things that we will do with our clients is we'll use your different types of veggies in there. So if you've got some chopped up carrots and some bay leaves, um, even a little celery. bit of fennel and celery can work really well to give those flavor profiles. But also with the broths too, depending on your level of sensitivity, you can still sometimes add, say, some garlic and some onion in there and put them in a little bag, a little muslin cloth bag and let the flavor impart into the dish and then you remove that out. So no actual 
parts of the onion or garlic end up in the broth and a lot of people find that works great it's kind of similar to using your infused oils and so forth Um, some people might find that still can be a little bit um, you know stimulating to their gut but most people I've seen do that haven't had any major issues so you can still be pulling those flavors out have you had many clients have any issues with doing that I've had a few, but they're only yeah. my super sensitive ones. Yeah. Um, I I tend to opt for too. Like a lot of the broth concentrates are actually FODMAP friendly. They are. So yeah, so that's another little tip that I give to my clients. I'm like, look, if you're just not not keen to use the garlic and the onion, you're a foddy. My little foddies. I've got a lot of foddies. <laughs> <laughs> so if you're a FODMAPer and you and you know garlic and onion, you're just like, nah, not even game to try it. But I really want. I mean, I'm not keen on a fish broth, but I really want to get in and making my broth. What I'm saying to all of my clients is get some of the broth concentrates whether it be the best of the bone ones, just get the ones that obviously don't have the garlic and onion in them. Same with the Jevity RX, now that I can say that. (laughs) Um, And just, you know, a lot of those are FODMAP friendly. So they're just, or they're freaking salty as, which obviously is no issue for me. Mm. But you just add them to it and you get that really nice stock flavor or that yeah. really nice broth flavor that I feel like everyone's sort of chasing when they make a broth mm. without adding the garlic and the onion. And you can still add your stock veggies. So add your carrot, add your, <clears throat> add your celery, <coughs> excuse me. Um, yeah, add some bay leaves, add some cloves. Like you can get really yeah. creative with what you sort of add and bring a fl- and to bring the flavor. Add heaps of ginger, add chili. Yeah. Like, And before you know it, you've actually got this really nice, you know, perfect tasting thing that you know is, is low FODMAP as well so yeah. then you can you know use that and then add it to all your different sorts of dishes yeah so exactly that's it and I would lastly say too with those sorts of more simple broths where you're just using the carcasses and the water don't be afraid to use a lot of the carcasses and in, and as you're saying even with the fish like the the meat that's still attached like if I do a that type of broth um i'll use like three or four chicken carcasses in my slow cooker like i will jam those babies in there (laughs) and then cover them with water like it is just trying to get the lid on you know like there is a lot of carcass in there as a ratio to the water like i feel if you're just using one carcass um in a big pot of water or your slow cooker and trying to create a broth on that then you're going to need other flavors but if you've got four carcasses jammed in there um it's a completely different picture as far as pulling that flavor profile out so you know it's uh, we have mentioned but it's a really good time to be if you're doing your roast chickens or buying these different sorts of cuts of meat and then you've got those leftover bones or you're just buying the bones from your butcher like yeah get them in the freezer and um yeah, go to town. Don't be afraid about um, putting a lot of them in there. Yeah, crushing them up like a bloody carnivore. <laughs> oh, dear. So the other area that we mentioned in our bonus episode was mushrooms that I had jotted down here. And I think the reason I wanted to revisit this is, one, to, again, maybe give a few more ideas about how people can be using them because I think – classically when people think about eating mushrooms it's mushrooms on toast (laughs) um maybe mushrooms in an omelet um i kind of feel like they're the main two but giving some ideas about how people can be using them different types but also i think there's a i don't we again maybe we're rehashing with our mushroom podcast we did but there's some fears about 
mushrooms and whether they can be reactive to certain types of diets and where that might fit too? I think the other thing, yeah, like the only sort of um, issues really with mushrooms in terms of dietary stuff is if you have, um, what FODMAP is it? Is it sorbitol? Where do the mushrooms fit? I thought Pylos, it was your spirals, well, they're poly, it's the polysaccharides that are in them, Polys, yeah, but Pylos, that people Pylos. may be reacting to. Yeah, but I, I don't know. I, I personally, saw the time sugar's gone, my dickhead. And I was thinking of pile, pile, I can never say it. <laughs> Pylols, anyway, when you kind of break your FODMAPs up and uh, you know, yeah, polysaccharides, but you've got all your little group things. I'm just trying to think of my table that I always have in my head, yeah, but nine times out of ten, like I find most. I've got a small subset of my FODMAPers that when you bring foods back in, mushrooms are an issue. But the majority of them, they seem to be fine. Yeah. Um, there's not a lot of research on the more exotic types of mushrooms either with FODMAPs. Exactly. Like I think like they typically just look at the buttons in the fields in the FODMAP thing. So obviously like your oysters, your shiitakes and nokis, all of that sort of stuff aren't really looked at yet as far as the FODMAP space goes, as far as I know no. or from what I've seen. Mm-mm. Um. But I think the biggest thing too is at the moment is actually sourcing them, yeah. um, which I find which is a bit harder. But I would say to anyone that is really wanting to get into this space or was using this space and now isn't because markets are closed down and all of that, like just get in contact with your mushroom suppliers. Like if you're mm. in Brisbane, it's Little Acre Mushrooms. If you're on the sunny coast, it's Cat and Dan, who we had on or Cat we had on the podcast. So, yeah. you know, Mountaintop Mushrooms and I was chatting with Cat the other day. Like these guys are all still fully functioning. Mm-hmm. Like little farms at the moment are, you know, doing it tougher because they've lost their market space and they've lost their restaurant space a lot of the time. So, you know, they've lost a lot of their supply, but they are now trying to get into home delivery boxes mm-hmm. or I know Kat was saying that you know I think they're going to end up in the Mulaney IGA f- for a little while yeah, cool. which is really exciting for them so start having a look at your more independent grocers and stuff mm-hmm. like that so like your IGAs and stuff like that that are still are still open that are potentially trying to source from smaller farms and have those more you know different varieties of foods for you and check out your you know your co-ops and your home delivery services that are you know supporting all the small farms because this is where you're going to get a lot of your really good quality food which you need at the moment but also access to things like these you know um, medicinal and exotic style mushrooms that you can use for your food so yeah for sure it's kind of an irony isn't it in this space that it hopefully it's forcing people to support more smaller businesses and go a bit more into the independent space because you're not going to find these alternates um, at generally Woolworths or Coles. There might be a few of them, but, you know, you're really going to be tapping into it if you go and source some of these more local businesses that specialise in this area and then you're going to be supporting them too. Um, Yeah. And, yeah, just back into that space as far as, FODMAP reactivity, look, I'm I'm the same. I, I can't even think more than one hand of people I've seen really react to mushrooms, mm. but more so it's the alternate mushrooms that I am consistently bringing back into people's diets very, very quickly or sometimes not even taking out. Like I don't think I've ever seen anyone react to using shiitake mushrooms or your oysters and your anokis and so forth and the the benefits of them oh my god like they are just so powerful in how they are immune um supportive and modulating they're really powerful in how they can packed with vitamin d oh they're just they're they're just an absolute gem in what they offer um and i just i want to encourage people to use them and i think we talked about in the podcast around mushrooms about 
beers around, say, candida and um, yeast That's infections. That's just not bad on the head. It's just, <laughs> it's, it's really is an old fallacy. These, these medicinal mushrooms are actually supportive and going to help you. They are not going to increase those infections or feed them in any way. It doesn't work like that. So if... If that's a reason why you're also you're hearing us talk about mushrooms, you're like, oh, I can't because I've got candida. Go and buy yourself <laughs> some body yeah, beautiful mushrooms and start getting into them. Um, yeah. So, I think the other. I was yeah. just going to say too, like I oh know I'm just I'm not. This is not an intentional plug for Kat's mushroom farming business. It's just only because I was talking to her the other day and we're just trying to, you know, work out. I was just a just seeing how business was going with everything that was going on, but. Um, Trent and I are actually getting um, some mushroom packs delivered so we can grow our own mushrooms mm, here. So obviously good. anyone who follows me on social media knows I've got a shiitake log, which I'm just waiting to fruit, but I've got <laughs> another couple of months before that happens. Um, so you've obviously got, you know, and they can't ship shiitake logs. It's, they're too heavy. <laughs> but you can grow a lot of your own mushrooms and stuff at home. So you do have your home mushroom growing kit. So I would say like if you do want to get into this space, like let's face it, we've all got a lot of time on our hands at the moment. Well, we don't, but there's a lot of people that are just kind of at home wondering what am I going to do with my kids and what am I going to do with all this spare time that we've got, you know, like I think it's, it's like interesting that um, a lot of seedlings, like I don't know, like I constantly have seedlings and stuff on rotation, but obviously mm. there seems to be a space where people are starting to get into gardening, Yeah, which I'm hoping, you know, that's, that's a good thing and it is going to fall, you know, maybe make people realise they should be growing a lot of their own food or at least growing some of it where they can if they've got the space for it. But like getting into the mushroom space, like that's something so cool you can do with kids. Like, mm-hmm. um, you know, like get your little at-home mushroom kits and source them from reputable places. They're not, you don't want pollute pollution jacked crap you want you know really nice good good spores and all that kind of stuff but you know like hit up companies your local companies like obviously if you're not in brisbane you're not going to be hitting up cat and dan i don't know if they can post you know nationally but you can get at home mushroom kits like i know if i was a kid watching fungus grow it'd be oh, bloody so exciting. exciting so exciting <laughs> i get excited over as an adult <laughs> but then you can eat it which is even better so exactly. we win so speaking of eating, before we move on to our last category with mushrooms, what are some of your ways that you like to have them outside of just the old school mushrooms on toast that people oh. might not think about how they could be using? And I mean these different types of mushrooms too. Oh, different types of mushrooms. Okay. So I, I love them in soups. Like mm-hmm. I, am a, I am a big Asian broth person. Like I absolutely freaking love my Asian style broth um, yep. and Asian style soup. So obviously they do go a lot in there for me with heaps of ginger, heaps of chili, like Asian greens, yeah, whether or not I throw fish in there or if I'm just doing it from a chicken point of view. I think I talked about this in the last podcast. Like one of the first go-to things I do when I um, feel like I'm getting sick is like a chicken, like an Asian-style chicken soup. Mm -hmm. And it's literally like a full chicken, chicken carcass, yeah, all all those good foods. I actually bloody love them fried up. Mm. Like so like just oyster mushrooms um, or shiitake, but I do love doing this with oyster mushrooms. Fried up with just a bit of sesame oil, heaps of chili um, like and heaps of garlic and you just kind of pan fry them up with some eggs or something yeah. like that and put them on top of eggs and just obviously like a little bit of tamari, heaps of fresh coriander. I can tell I'm just like <laughs> my food just goes down that Asian It does, road. doesn't it? I just love the flavours though. For me it's just like, oh. Yeah. Um, but it's good because yeah. it gives people different ideas. 
Yeah, I swear, like I was saying to Trent the other night, like I feel like I have like for all my past lives, like these categories, like I'm like definitely Asian in one, Mediterranean in another. (laughs) (laughs) So the other way I would say to try and encourage people, we might have mentioned this a little bit, but your mushrooms, they pair really well with herbs. I mean, everything does, but whenever I think about cooking up mushrooms, usually I think mushrooms are at their best when they are fried. They love oil they love olive oil oil they're gonna soak it up they're gonna get nice and crispy and delicious and golden on the outside and soft in the middle and you want to be marrying them with herbs like my favorite by far would be sage crispy sage with it lots and lots of that um it marries really well though with thyme even with a bit of dill but i'd say thyme and sage and parsley are standouts and definitely similar to you like frying them up Um, And and they do pair really well with eggs, but getting those herbs in there with them. And also they love nuts. So putting in with the mushrooms, some either some chopped up, geez, could be anything, but like Brazil nuts and walnuts or just some chopped up almonds, just tossed in at the end, pine nuts, just to kind of make them nice and golden and crunchy. And personally, I really love them with risottos. Um, So that kind of enables you to bring some of those broths back in. And I also love, love, love them um, with pasta. So I guess that's more an Italian style dish for me. Yeah, Yeah, so I love them tossed through. Um, Literally one of our favorite ways of having them is um, cooked up, heaps of olive oil, heaps of sage, heaps of garlic, um, fried up, and then just tossed through some pasta. Um, you wouldn't need anything else. Like that's such a nice, like, like I like for me, cause I know like mushrooms have so long been called vegetarians meat as yeah. well. Like they're just the texture of them. And when you cook them up and exactly like you said, like you get all those beautiful, I, I do mine in butter. Like I'm a sucker for yeah. butter with mushrooms, but you know, like a lot of people can't do butter. So olive oil either or just is amazing, but yeah, yeah, heaps of fresh herbs. And then yeah, I would chuck it through eggs, but yeah, chucking through pasta. Oh my yeah. God. Yeah. Pasta, so olive oil, mushrooms, few nuts. Yeah. Salt. And even pat like mushroom patties for our vego vegany people, or even if you're not, like literally just cooking them up with those types of herbs that we're just talking about, and then blending them up into like a a, a faux pate. Um, I don't have a recipe for that on the website. I need to get one, but that is delicious because you've got that sort of meaty flavor with those herbs. Um, Lots of, yeah, usually lots of extra virgin olive oil in there too. And then you can spread that daily onto different sorts of, whether it's your toast or um, spoon it on top of dishes. That's another really delicious way of having it. Yeah. Yum. I know. Right. (laughs) Yum. So the last space I wanted to talk about, we've kind of talked a bit about this, but it's sort of like those classic, immune boosting supportive foods in and I'm thinking of like the tonic of the the lemon and the garlics and the um the honey sort of drinks you know that classic make up a hot lemon um add your honey into that add your gingers add your garlics and so forth and I mentioned that immune tonic last time but I think ways that we can be using those types of ingredients um, obviously there's lots and lots of different ways. It's a, a lot of different ingredients there, but I think ways that we can kind of modify and use those ingredients too, for people that might have sensitivities. So mm-hmm. for instance, I, 
I feel like a lot of the time people may not explore doing like your classic sort of lemon and honey drinks and so forth because they're concerned about using the added sweeteners, for instance, of the honey. Um, or again, yeah, they're worried about <laughs> in my head in the desk. adding <laughs> in the garlics and the onions and so forth. So uh, this for me plays back into what we're saying with uh, the broths and depending on your individual sensitivities, you can look at making these sorts of drinks and putting all the ingredients to start with into that little muslin bag or nut bag and letting those um, constituents infuse into the liquids and getting the benefits out that without actually consuming the garlics and the onions if they're trigger foods for you and that can work for a lot of people but if you can't have those types of ingredients it's pushing into your gingers still and your turmerics and some of these other types of ingredients it doesn't mean that like because you can't do a few ingredients that you can't do all so if you're putting aside the garlic and the onion, can you be using instead lots of ginger, lots of fresh turmeric, some cayenne pepper? We'd always be looking at that. And then I would even say with the honey space and, you know, like, again, like, let's look at where your personal tolerability levels are at. If you're you're pulling up your FODMAP, oh, do you hear that? <laughs> Delivery <Yeah>. hubbard. <laughs> meep, meep. <laughs> If you're pulling up your FODMAP app and you're looking at it and going, oh my God, I can't have this and I can't have that. As we say a million times, it's low FODMAP or low SIBO protocol or whatever it is. It's not, no, like find out where that space is for you. You're probably going to find for a lot of you that you can tolerate a little bit of honey in a medicinal drink or in something that you're cooking or baking. Like you've, there's a lot of, I think, fear around the fact that you can't have any of these ingredients and often that little bit added in is going to be fine for a lot of people. Would you agree? Yeah, I agree. I agree. I feel like honey is not something I see a lot of issues with. Mm. And I also think too, like again, again, I think if like even stepping out of the, like the, you know, the, the FODMAP space with honey, um, just the sugar space, everyone's yeah. so freaking afraid of, have become so afraid of sugar in any yeah. way, shape or form that you really starting to like, not like you, like you, obviously, but you know, like people. <laughs> are, what are you like saying, people, man? What are you saying, bitch? <laughs> like people are people have just become afraid of you know foods that actually, from a medicinal or nutritional purpose, actually rate really high. And fruit is fruit is another space yes. I think we need to step into. And again, yeah. it's not about excessively consuming stuff, but sometimes like. I know for myself, my body just craves a glass of fresh orange juice and yep. I will squeeze three oranges, like hand squeeze them and just put it on ice and have a nice pulpy yeah. glass of orange juice. And people do not need to be afraid of that at the moment. Yeah. I think that's the space too that I'm seeing a lot with, um, you know, clients and people asking me self, stuff, um, stuff on social media. Like I know I've got clients on low histamine diets that are off citrus at the moment. True, I've, got clients on low, I've got clients on low histamine, low FODMAP diets at the moment, which, you know, this kind of immune space couldn't come at a, you know, not a worse time, but it's just like, great, well, what can I eat? Because they're off garlic and onion and they're off a lot of the citrus mm. fruits to control, you know, allergy symptoms and gut symptoms. And I'm just like, no, you know, the, this is not the time to be, you know, super, 
you know, strict and afraid of food. Like, you know, we obviously never try to create that space anyway, but I'm like, right, okay, cool. Let's just bring some of these foods back in quickly and see how, where your tolerance levels are. Mm-hmm. And they, these are only my super, super reactive clients mm-hmm. that are, you know, on these types of diets. But for everyone else that's in that space where they're working on their gut or on their on semi, you know, restrictive diets or they're just avoiding foods or fruits for whatever reason, like, you know, whatever practitioner you're working with and what you're doing, like, this is not the, the time or the place to be afraid of, you know, medicinal foods like sugar, sugars in excess and refined forms. Of course, we don't want a, a massive amounts of that in there. But look, if you know, citrus is a beautiful nutrient dense, immune boosting, mm-hmm. you know, fruit in general. Like we've got lemons, we've got grapefruit. My God, pink grapefruit, um, mm-hmm. limes, oranges papaya um you know honey like honey's amazing like you know if you can get a good quality like source a good quality local honey i know we don't have markets open at the moment i usually just get mine off a little old dude at the markets that has his Mm. own beehives but you know like just there's all there is all this stuff still available and not being afraid of it i think is probably the more important thing at the moment too yeah for sure yeah so true particularly with the fruit space because it's constantly something we see in clinic all the time people are scared of fruit and there's all that fear around it from the fruit sugars and nutritionally it's got so much to offer um well i think majority of people don't need to be avoiding fruit in the way that they are yeah, I'm going to stay on my fruit rampage, but even coming seasonally, seasonally, like as things are changing, like we're moving out of stone fruit, we're moving into citrus now, yeah. we're moving into apples, we're moving into pears, like, you know, the fruit the fruit dynamic is definitely changing a bit at the moment, and yeah. for everyone that's on FODMAP diet, citrus is obviously fine for you, but apples and pears are not so much, but yeah. majority of my clients, you get them to a stage, if they're on a FODMAP diet, pretty quickly where they're tolerating stewed, um, stewed pears or stewed... Mm apples like you know and that's so great for your gut lining it's a beautiful prebiotic for your gut um so i think too like if yeah like just not being afraid of it if you are afraid if you are in like a fodmap space or a low histamine space or a restrictive diet space and you're kind of worried about your immune system right now worried about your health like work with a practitioner and try and build your diet back up or at Mm -hmm. least build you up to a, a moderate space where you can start including a lot of these foods or parts of them, or at least be able to work around it, like what Jess and I were saying before. Like if you can't use garlic and onion, you can use honey and chili and ginger and mm-hmm. mushrooms. And For sure. And the, the other thing I would say sort of with wrapping that up is when it comes to fruits, thinking about different ways that you can be utilising them if you are a bit sensitive in this space. So as Chris has said, often stewing these fruits can really change the structure and make them a lot easier to digest on the gut um, and actually make them a lot more medicinal too with some of the different fruits. But also what I'll often do with clients is um, instead of them perhaps eating a piece of fruit on its own as a snack, if they find that can be a bit much on an empty stomach, it can actually be using fruit within a meal more. And by that, I mean, it might be the, it might be something classic like, a pancake um, that you've got some chopped up fruit on top of with some nut butter and some different ingredients. But I would also push it into your savory meal. So it might be that you have your protein with um, a roast veggie salad and some greens and you've also chopped up some red globe grapes and tossed that through. Or you might have roasted up some pear segments and put that through. So often, often when you take fruit and include it within the context of a whole meal with a variety of protein and fats and so forth and different fibers. I find for a lot of people, it's not 
just one hit of the fruit on its own and the gut finds it a little bit easier to deal with it when it's sort of mixed in with all of those other types of foods as far as absorption and and that sort of quick hit of the sugars on the gut that sometimes can be problematic for some people who have sensitivities particularly i would say more in that bacteria microbiome space and triggering different types of um, responses with the microbes just slowing that down because there's a lot more contextually happening within that meal so um i would encourage people to play with that and i've seen that even with the the good old apple, you know, yeah. from being able to enjoy just munching on an apple or a pear or um, and that being problematic through to maybe just literally chopping it up um, into dice pieces, tossing it through a salad, having that with some um, home-cooked wedges and a piece of fish and having no issues. Yeah. So, you know, I hope hopefully what I'm – getting across and we both are today is um we want people to explore these different medicinal beautiful foods in different ways try them in different ways um and as always find what works best for you because that's going to be different from person to person but i think what we see all the time is a lot of people aren't using ingredients as much as they could be out of number one um just inability of knowing how, just a lack of education and understanding. Mm. So, you know, today it might be like, oh, my God, I never thought of doing that with fruit or I never thought of doing that with mushrooms or I never thought of making a fish broth. And then number two, the other major issue is fear. There's just fear around a lot of these foods. Oh, my God, I don't want to touch a fish head. Oh, my God, like um, an apple makes me feel sick. Like, you know, so hopefully on both arms of that, we're creating some inspiration for people to get into the kitchen and try these foods in different ways. I think like the biggest thing too at the moment is like, like, yeah, focusing on all the things Jess and I have just talked about is, is super, super important and trying to get all this medicinal based food in as much as possible. But what's probably equally as important is just right now, not turning towards convenience foods and um, excess sugar and stuff like that because I know there's a lot of people thrown massively out of routine at the moment and Mm -hmm. then maybe, you know, everyone's got kids at home and they're working from home and they're homeschooling, like, you know, and I know that that's put a lot of extra pressure on a lot of people. I know I'm seeing it a lot with my clients, a lot with even just my friends and stuff like that, but now is really the time to really just knuckle down and focus on your health and your family's health and cut the sugar, cut the crap, eat whole foods, you know, macronutrient balanced meals, do a lot of, you know, food prepping like we talked about last time with, you know, lots of veggies, lots of, you know, good quality proteins and stews and, you know, curries and all that stuff and freeze excess if you need to, but I think Focus on whole food and don't be afraid of it at all. Mm-hmm. And I think, like, if you do have any questions in that space, then that's particular, you know, probably where, like, yeah, book a book the book an immune chat with us. Like, they're those little, you know, twenty five minute chats if you're just unsure about, like, you know, should you be having this food or blah blah blah. Mm-hmm. Like, just there's so many options available where you can hit us up and ask us these questions because I think at the moment, like. Yeah, there's just so much fear in the space of everything at the moment. But the yeah. one thing we can be really sure of and working on for ourselves is our health at the moment. Mm-hmm. So and I think that's probably one of the most important things for us all to be focusing on. So Yeah, exactly. No, well said. I think for either existing clients or new clients um, or anyone just needing that advice, there's there's plenty of ways that we can be helping out there. And, 
And we'll be sharing a lot more about this on our socials moving forward too. Uh, we really want to encourage you guys in the kitchen. People are going to be at home a bit more and we want to get you thinking about different ways you can be using the food that you do have and not in a really complicated way, yeah. in a really easy way. Um, and you can even... Um, oh, I'm just thinking about when this is going to drop. It might, <laughs> it might drop afterwards, but at the time you might be able to, yeah, I reckon you'd still be able to go back and see it. Carissa and Emma will be doing a live on Wednesday night. Um, and they're going to be doing that weekly at this yeah, point. Yeah, dinner dates. We're doing, doing Wednesday night dinner dates. <laughs> Wednesday Instagram dinner dates. And we'll be sort of exploring that space a lot more with you guys where, we want to bring you into our kitchens and just look at creating meals together based off what's literally in the fridge. Um, it's going to be really fun. And again, we just want to make this a really accessible space. So you guys feel really comfortable about what you're doing um, without feeling overwhelmed or feeling like you're living off tin baked beans <laughs> and canned tuna <laughs> and pasta. <laughs> Yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> and if you do have those things, I'm sure we can make a nutritious meal out of it. <laughs> that's it. Well, I think that's it. Is there anything else you wanted to bring up? Uh, no, not at this point. <laughs> Ooh, we're actually we're starting to break up for some reason, so I might oh, sign okay. this one off and say, as per usual, um, look, guys, just thanks heaps for listening as always. And I know we said it at the start and we've just sort of said it again throughout the podcast, but please let us know in this ever-changing space if there's any questions or any sort of topics you want us to dive deeper into. We want to make these um, conversations really relevant to what's going on at the moment. Um, so please, yeah, whether it's through social media or email, let us know and, and share. There's a lot of um, extra podcast listening and social media watching at the moment. So this is something that we'd love you to share um, on your social media so other people can listen and benefit. And other than that, um, as per usual, we'll put everything in the show notes. If there's any particular recipes that we've mentioned, um, take care. Stay safe. Stay safe. Cook lots. <laughs> Bake Cook lots. lots. <laughs> Bake lots. Stay at home. Tag us in your creations. <laughs> Don't become day drinkers. <laughs> <laughs> and we'll chat to you in a few weeks. Okay. Thanks, guys. Bye. Bye.